Are you a college student looking for an internship opportunity? Get paid to represent the brands you love, expand your network, and elevate your portfolio. Apply today to be a campus brand manager for one of Riddle and Bloom's student programs. Represent brands like Amazon Prime Student, HBO Max, Comcast Xfinity, and more. For more details and to apply, go to riddleandbloom.com backslash general ambassador. Link is in our episode description. Okay, that meme was hilarious. Kind of pissed it only has like 15 likes. Oh, when you posted today? Yes, of Olivia. That was yeah. I know, I loved it. For those of you listening, we posted a very hilarious meme about how <laughs> we all thought something was going to happen because today, the day that we're recording, is Friday, August 13th. And I don't know about you guys, but I was convinced that we are never ever getting back together. Taylor's version was coming and we were bamboozled again. Thanks. Seriously. Bamboozled. I think she's just trolling us at this point. It looks like clowns. We always look like clowns. What's new? I just might as well get a freaking name tag. Right. At this point. Monogrammed. My biggest problem is I will see somebody say something like on TikTok or Instagram or Twitter, and it'll be really well thought out and not be something that seems really far-fetched. Like, it sounds like it's actually believable. Like, Friday, August 13th. August 13th was the day in 2012 when We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, the single was originally released nine years later, Friday, August 13th, 2021, she's going to release Taylor's version. And I believe, I mean, I'm just gullible. Like if it may, if it sounds plausible to me, I'm like, yeah, that's true. That's going to happen. I believe it. So I'm also very gullible. It is the reason why I believed in Santa Claus until I was 12 years old. It's okay. (laughs) You can laugh. Anyways, let's go. So should we address some of the horrible things that have been happening? Yeah, before we get into some of the the good stuff. So we were supposed to have a special guest for this episode and just some things happened and our special guest did not feel comfortable basically participating in the Taylor Swift fandom anymore and they dropped out and this is just a another example of the things that are wrong in the fandom right now I feel like there's been a lot of racism a lot of homophobia ableism just all the bad things you can think of the Swifty fandom across the board is doing and I don't know about y'all but I'm I do know about y'all actually we're really fucking fed up about it just I'm not being very eloquent about this because I'm actually like very upset just the fact that there have been people who were a part of this community of Taylor Swift fans who feel like they can't be a part of the fandom anymore and create content for other Swifties because of bullying and it doesn't make any sense you know recently a swift talker that the four of us were a really big fan of decided to leave swift talks leave tiktok and losing their content us not getting to see their content that was just the most thoughtful and original and fun content 
that I have probably ever seen on Swift Talk is all of our loss. It's not their loss for leaving Swift Talk because of how they were treated. It's our loss as members of this community because we no longer get their input and their insight and to hear their opinions. And it, this is not the only time that something like this has happened. And I'm sick of it. It's just like really like, you know that these kind of these kinds of things exist like in general and like you know it exists in the fandom because we've seen it exist like we've seen the videos we've seen people's comments we've we've seen all of that and those comments are pretty derogatory and rude and disgusting it's different when like it hits so close to home like this is someone that we knew virtually knew and someone that we interacted with and someone that we considered a friend it just like now it's hitting close to home yeah and it shouldn't like a troll yeah, it shouldn't take it like hitting close to home. We're like between the four of us, we're pretty vocal with each other when we see the fandom doing horrible things. We've made, you know, posts uh, calling out the racism that was happening around the like Ginny and Georgia stuff. We've um, they were really Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, we've yeah. really tried to be an example of not letting this shit fly anymore. But now that it's hit with someone who we all really valued and not that it wasn't happening to people of value, but just someone that we were close with and friends with and and losing their point of view in this fandom, it's it's just, I, that sounds really selfish, I know, but it's just, it's going, it's getting out of hand. It's not just the, that person as well. It's We've seen this happening with the Swift Talk creators that are pretty well known on the app and platform as well. I don't want to name drop anybody, just in general, but it's happened to multiple people that we're also familiar with. Somebody else that we consider to be a friend and somebody who we have actually truly met virtually and spent time with. And it's just out of control. I feel like this started on Twitter with the trolling Twitter has like just the reputation to troll and it's really just bubbled over into TikTok and it's really gross. I'm just really sad that we even have to like make a statement about this and even have to like address this to begin with. It just Taylor would never want this no. for her fandom. And if she saw that this was happening, I okay, but like I get what you're saying because like you know, some of these, some of the, the things that people say are things that Taylor has struggled with herself and to see, and like her fans were so upset over it. You know what I mean? Like, and everyone rallied behind her, but now her fans are turning around and doing the same thing to other Taylor Swift fans. Like, that's just so. And it's not necessarily like. <laughs> It's not even that it's necessarily new because we've seen the feral Twitter Swifties going after other artists who, in Taylor's defense, which she doesn't need that from us. Like, she doesn't need us to fight her battles. She doesn't want us to fight her battles. Like, she would be really disappointed in the fandom. Like, I'm sure she has some sort of awareness of what's going on, but, like, she said on several different occasions that she doesn't even have social media on her phone anymore. Like 
And like, these are the reasons why she's not on Tumblr anymore. She's only on Twitter and like Instagram when she's promoting something, which I don't blame her. Like she's not interacting with us like she used to. And this is, she was the queen of interacting. Like she invented like having these close online relationships with fans from the very beginning with her MySpace. Like that was her thing. And the fact that obviously the, you know, 2016 situation pushed her off of social media too, but she's she's been off. It, it's been a while and we have helped to push her away, like collectively. And we so, hope to keep her away. Like why, but, if, if this is what's going on, why would she, why would she want to see any of that? Especially because she struggled with some of the exact same things that are, that are being said, that are being thrown out there. I also just want to say, like, you know, sometimes I get nervous even personally posting on our account because I'm afraid of getting one of those trolls. Like, what? I mean, I know we don't have, like, as big of a following as some of these uh, create Swift Talk creators that have, unfortunately, gotten really bad negative blowback. But sometimes I get nervous just, just because of how bad it's gotten. Like, yeah, I get I nervous we... even posting, like... Because I don't want these haters with cell phones, like, you know, like going out and just trolling people for no reason. There's no reason that, that you have to do that. There is no, no reason. keep it no to yourself. If you have a thought like that, write it in your notes on your phone. I don't care what you do on your free time, but don't go on somebody's account. It takes a lot of effort to make videos like that, too. And, and if you are, like, thinking that you're so brave typing out something hurtful and mean for no reason like what's your problem like I hate to say that but <laughs> no like if you if you come across something that you don't like on TikTok or Twitter or Tumblr or Instagram from a creator and this is not even just Taylor Swift related just in, just general. in general if you see something you don't agree with or you don't like their opinion or you don't like what they're saying it costs zero dollars to just scroll and move on it, it literally took the words right out of my mouth I was just why would you go that. out of your way to post hate and like these are people they they're they have a platform yes but they're literally just talking about their opinions on Taylor Swift and that that's no like the the point is t for discussion the point is not for arguments it's not for I don't need to start a debate with you because quite frankly I don't care yeah if you have a different opinion like that's fine that's like fine. I yeah I like to talk to people who have different opinions than me all the time I love it like I love seeing other people's point of view I'm not gonna fight you about it I might send you know a snarky message between the four of us and be like, oh my God, did you see blah, 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 blah. And then we move on. Like, we're not sitting here like attacking people on their pages. We're not like going on and on and on about how much we hate certain people for their opinions. Like, I think there was like somebody who posted something and I sent it to you guys and I was like, he always says something bad about reputation and y'all know I love reputation. And you know what I did? I sent it to you guys and I was just like, I roll emoji and I moved on. I don't even think we talked about it. Like, literally you don't have to say rude things to people's faces or on their profiles like you can keep it to yourself like it's fine to have an outlet but when you're attacking a person because of their race their gender their sexuality or just because, because they're they differently different, abled 
or just because they have a different opinion than you. You're yeah. you're a bad person. You're a bad I, person if you do that. The problem with people doing this is that they're doing this for clout because it's cool. It's a big trend to do this. And when I think about that, I think about this. If you died today, nobody's going to give a fuck about how many likes you got on a comment. They're not going to look back and be like, that person left a burning hot tea in somebody's comment section. You bullied someone for literally zero reason. You got nothing out of it. So focus your energy on stuff that actually betters the world instead of bullying people to the point where they go off social media. And if you have an issue with anything that we're saying, you're part of the problem, not the solution. Anyways, so focus your energy on like better stuff. Stop bullying people. It makes you a shit person. Point blank. We can like as a fandom, we need to be better. Like there's there's just no reason for people specifically in the Taylor Swift fandom to feel like places like Swift Talk or Tumblr are not safe places for them to participate in the fandom. Like there's no reason for it at all. That shouldn't be the case. We have this wonderful tool called the internet where we can meet people from all over the world and share our love of Taylor Swift's music or Disney or basketball. Like you can, you, you can meet people from literally all over the world who have maybe nothing else in common with you other than the fact that they also love Taylor Swift. And that's amazing. And when you sit here and you bully people for not only their opinions, but the way they look, the, the, the way that they talk, when you do things like that, you are the bad guy. You are the bad person. We need to stop because the thing that is supposed to bring us together is Taylor Swift and people can have different opinions about her without you fucking going for their throats. 100%. Agreed. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone for listening to our rant. This is a really, this is, I know it's a downer, but it's really important. Like this is affecting real life people. And if you see something like this, you should speak up. And I know I'm going to make more of an effort especially on our social media platforms and then just in my everyday life as well. Are you ready for it? Welcome to Ready For It, a Taylor Swift podcast. I'm Chandler. I'm Rebecca. I'm Bailey. And I'm Lizzie. So be fearless. Speak now. Put on your favorite shade of red. While shaking it off in a getaway car. Because sometimes you need to calm down and wrap yourself up in your favorite cardigan to find some happiness. And listen as we talk about the iconic poet herself, Miss Swift. Okay, today we're going to be talking about her sophomore album, Fearless. Yay! And it's one of Chandler's favorites. Y'all know that like Fearless is one of my top albums, so I'm excited. I've got it tattooed on me. I'm <laughs> so excited to be like, like talking about this album finally. Not that I didn't yeah. love debut. Debut will always hold a very special place in my heart. But Fearless was just chef's kiss because is... we were just like at the exact same, all of us, the exact same yeah, this year. Was, mm-hmm. This was the year that we like, were, when like Rebecca and I met and then like when yeah. Lizzie and Bailey became friends, like was the year that, that Fearless came out. 
and 15 came out when we were 15 and like all the stuff that we went through on fearless like came out in real time for us like when it came out it was in real time for us like everything we went through so it just made it like that much more like special like and i guess a good analogy would be driver's license for somebody who's like maybe 16 right now if you're a big fan of driver's license and you can relate to that song in a special way because you just got yours and you had a breakup and that's kind of like what fearless is for us so yeah and like this is also the album well Rebecca, obviously, you were a fan of Taylor Swift. You knew about her before her first album came out. But, like, this was my first album release that I got to experience as a big Taylor Swift fan. And, like, by by the time this album came out, like, people knew that I was a huge Taylor Swift fan. So it's very, it's so crazy to me to think that this is the first true, like, era that I got to experience from start to finish for Taylor. And some of my fondest memories in high school involve, like, this album and, like, Chandler yep. and I, like, I remember I had a study hall and I would, like, you know, Chandler and I used to write notes back to each other. That's what you did back in, like, the early to really? mid-2000s. And, and we would write, like, the lyrics for, you know, especially off of the platinum edition of Fearless. I remember being, like, we were obsessed with the other side of the door. We, like, I remember specifically writing out the lyrics to Superstar for you one day in a note. Like, all kinds of stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's I mean, just when you, like, look it. back at our, it, like, so something that was, like, super popular when all of us were in high school was this, um, like, Facebook add-on called Picnic. And it was, like, basically where you could, like, edit pictures <laughs> and add text to them. And, like, the number, like, and you, what you did was you made an album called picnic and you like that's where you kept all of your picnic edited photos like so it's just like this album of like all these photos from the year like the years like 2008 to maybe 2011 at the latest and like there's a million of them of just me and rebecca with the lyrics to fearless with the lyrics to jump then fall with the lyrics i think probably superstar too like 15 yeah 15 for sure like uh, <laughs> you were obsessed we, with jump and fall too i was because well you know even for like taylor swift fans like there were a lot of people who were taylor swift fans during this era because this was before she was kind of like overexposed i guess and this was yes. before all the like slut shaming and everything that she went through but there were everybody was a taylor swift fan at this point like everybody was trying to go to her fearless concert when it came to town like that that was just like everybody was going everybody was listening to her music everybody liked her whether or not they like admitted it or not and like i mean i'm mo more so talking about like the the girls we went to high school with not necessarily the dudes because even back then dudes were like oh that's girl music but everybody was obsessed with her but the platinum edition of fearless was something that not a lot of people knew about and so like i felt like i was in on some kind of like secret because i knew all these extra songs and like i would like post them on facebook and for as like my facebook status and people would be like oh my god what is this from because i would always like type in the quote and be like dash taylor swift and people would be like what taylor swift song is this and like i remember i specifically did the last 30 seconds of the other side of the door once and nobody knew what it was except for another one of our high school swifty friends but um yeah i was obsessed yeah bailey used to we used to make presents for each other for like our friend anniversary and <laughs> so um, cute. and we did that but i remember one present in particular, Bailey like made 
a like kind of a book, but she would redo the lyrics to Taylor Swift songs, but like related to like our friendship in some way. But one lyric, and we'll get to it when we get to 15, but she would change like in that, what was it, Bailey? I can't even remember. I can't think of the lyric right now. Do you still have the book? I do, but I'll get I'll get that out when we do fifteen. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. It's too. The, I have all of the gifts still. That's I mean, so cute. Yeah, I mean, we used to, and people probably thought we were really weird because, like, we would do that like every. It's March. What's our friend anniversary? March twentieth. <laughs> yes, March twentieth. I always get confused because it's another one of our friends' birthdays the day after, and then yeah. Anyways, but yeah, we would make like gifts and bring them in like poster boards and people would be like what the fuck are That's these so girls like dating each other <laughs> like <laughs> you're like no I mean it wouldn't be unheard of because we went to an all-girls school but <laughs> the tea man no hey you don't have to tell me I went to a women's college yes so I mean we would do that for each other and I just remember like we would also do the whole pass we would pass notes to each other and write novels Always yeah. include something references Taylor, Taylor Swift, Swift or Vampire yeah. Diaries or whatever. Yeah. Everything. All the, you know what? I honestly like this album is so, like, we talked about it when we did the whole reaction episode with Steven. It's so, like, nostalgia. Like, it just, I mean, it, so was Debut because that was, like, our introduction to Taylor, where this is, like, this is where I, like, like fell for Taylor yeah. essentially like I really was like I am mm-hmm. like enamored by this artist I think she's amazing her storytelling everything I I this this is it like this is when I was like locked in I mean really locked in like I I was definitely like in it in debut and I was excited when Fearless came out but this whole album just like ugh. I mean it was my senior quote like the whole what is it? What is it called? The intro before the album starts. In her album, but in her album book. Yeah, that I have a quote that was my senior quote. Fearless. You know? I don't. I don't think fearless is having the fearless isn't the absence of fear. It's having that fear, but you jump anyway. Yeah, I love that. I love. Yeah. That. Does does somebody want to read that as like I have like the album booklet, so go I can ahead. read it if you guys want. Yeah, me to. go ahead and read it because I can't find mine. Okay, so it says, this album is called Fearless, and I guess I'd like to clarify why we chose that as the title. To me, fearless is not the absence of fear. It's not being completely unafraid. To me, fearless is having fears. Fearless is having doubts, lots of them. To me, fearless is living in spite of those things that scare you to death. Fearless is falling madly in love again, even though you've been hurt before. Fearless is walking into your freshman year of high school at 15. Fearless is getting back up and fighting for what you want over and over again, even though every time you've tried before, you've lost. It's fearless to have faith that someday things will change. Fearless is having the courage to say goodbye to someone who only hurts you, even if you can't breathe without them. I think it's fearless to fall for your best friend, even though he's in love with someone else. And when someone apologizes to you enough times for the things they'll never stop doing, I think it's fearless to stop believing them. It's fearless to say you're not sorry and walk away. 
I think loving someone despite what people think is fearless. I think allowing yourself to cry on the bathroom floor is fearless. Letting go is fearless. Then moving on and being all right, that's fearless too. But no matter what love throws at you, you have to believe in it. You have to believe in love stories and Prince Charmings and happily ever after. That's why I write these songs because I think love is fearless. She's always had such an amazing so, way with words. I right, Yeah, I agree. And we'll get to this, like, you know, when we get to Speak Now, but Speak Now, like, the, the prologue in the Speak Now album is my favorite prologue she's ever written. It's, she's just, like, it's so, like, amazing her, like, emotional maturity at such a young age, which is something that's always, like, attracted to me as, to her as, like, a singer and songwriter and lyricist in the way she's able to put her feelings into words. It's and she just, also validates those feelings. Like, yes. there's this idea... I mean, people always question how she rose to prominence so quickly. And, like, by the time Fearless came out, she was huge. Like, you may not... There there are people out there who didn't know about her before the Kanye drama, which was, you know, during this time period. But, like, by the time this album came out, she was, she was huge. She was massive. She was huge in country, and she was crossing over into pop. And so... There, there were even back then when she was, you know, just starting out when this album first came out, people didn't really value young girls in music, like teenage girls in music. And they tried when they, they, they like teenage girls are always like a huge demographic in music. It's the reason why boy bands are so successful. Like it, it's honestly why Taylor Swift is so successful because she spoke to people like us at that time, teenage girls but she did it in a way that wasn't condescending. She did it in a way that was genuine because she was a teenage girl and she gave validity to the emotions that teenage girls feel, but she did it in a way where even adults would listen to her music and be like, wow. It, I mean, if you think about it, like she's writing about her crushes at this point, like the boys that she likes in high school. And that doesn't seem super serious. But when you're that age, like that's serious. And she just gave a lot of credibility to the emotions of teenage girls. And like, I, I don't want to say like gave us a voice because that sounds really dramatic. But she was singing how we were feeling like she was writing about things that we were feeling. But she was writing about things that everybody was feeling. And it, I think it just I keep talking in circles, but like, I think it gave a little bit of like, a little bit more respect to the, the, the feelings and emotions of, you know, her target demographic. Yeah. It speaks to her as like her power as a woman and the power of her as a lyricist, because before this, most of the songs that teenage girls had to listen to were bubblegum pop. And I'm not trying to say that bubblegum pop is bad. We all like it to a degree. I literally have a playlist filled with just bubblegum pop songs from like the early 2000s called Butter Gloss Pop. <laughs> it's like a... Anyways, but all that's to say is, is that prior to Taylor Swift, teenage girls did not have that outlet for that validity like it what it didn't exist because it was the only thing that they had on the radio was bubblegum pop that was a product of the machine that is the music industry that was written I mean, by think about a lot it, of men yes that's exactly yeah. what i was about to say i love britney spears music i was yes. always i've always been a huge britney spears fan but who was writing her music it was max martin and 
he's an adult man. A Swedish like, adult man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, his, like, country of origin isn't, like, super relevant, but you know what I mean? Like, it, sh- Britney Spears was a teenage girl singing words written by an adult man, and I guess it was an adult man's idea of what teenage girls feel, and, like, the songs are iconic, 100%. Like, they're really well written, but, like, I didn't ever really relate to Baby One More Time, like, or Oops, I Did It Again, because what I was the age that, I mean, I was really, we were all really young when Britney Spears was really popular. We were, like, six, seven years old when her first two albums came out. Um, no, like, eight, two. But, you know, just a few years older was how old Britney Spears was when she was singing these songs. Like, when you think about it, she was, like, maybe, she's, like, maybe seven-ish, seven to ten years older than us. I'm not 100% sure. But when I was the age that Britney Spears was when she was singing things like Hit Me Baby One More Time, like that, like it didn't resonate. Like, obviously, I loved it because I loved Britney Spears, but it it wasn't I didn't relate to it in the same way that I relate to Taylor Swift's music. And it's because I mean, and it's the same thing with Katy Perry during that same time. Like Katy Perry was the driving force behind the music that she was writing and it was coming from her perspective and again she's a little bit older than taylor swift i don't think she was quite a teenager when her first album came out but people like taylor swift and like Katy perry and like lady gaga like they like gave credit to women writing their own music i think that for taylor swift like it came like this album in particular came out in such a time where we needed we absolutely needed an album like this like we needed you know because like you said before that, we really didn't have a lot to, like, relate to, you know? I mean, if I was a big fan of Hillary Duff. Like, that was my big, before Taylor Swift, I, that was like, yeah. I'm still a big fan. I love her. Her music, you know, wasn't, again, but also that has to do with the age we were when those albums came out. Like you said, we were really young, so of course we're not going to relate to it, but... right. And we don't, don't understand know, like, the meaning of the words yet, too, when we were yeah, little. Yeah, I mean, we were, like, nine, we were, like, eight, nine when, like, Hillary Duff's first album came out. And, like, of course, it's Hillary Duff. I'm, I'm sure I speak for all of us, if not most of us, when I say that, like, Lizzie McGuire was a huge part of our childhoods. And then, like, everything else that she was doing at that time, like, I loved Hillary Duff. I was obsessed with her. I had her album. But, like, when you look at her album were and who also, was writing it, what? Also written by men? Yeah, like, there's, oh like, So Yesterday was written by three men and one that woman. Just, yeah, but, like, I mean, the music like, industry has always been dominated by men. And yeah. Taylor Swift single-handedly paved the, the, like, the paved the path, carved the path to change that. And I specifically remember her saying one time in some kind of interview that when she was starting out and trying to get, like, her big break in the music industry and when she would, like, go to, like auditions and like go to these record labels and stuff like that she'd be surrounded by a million other she said you know blonde girls who look the exact same as her with the same kind of style of music she realized that they were all doing the same thing and nothing would set her apart so she said like so I pulled out my gar- my guitar and started playing music and I went home and I started writing my own music instead and started 
showing that instead of just doing demos of, you know, popular cover songs or like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. She was an original. Yeah. And so that's what she did to like separate herself so she could make her big break. And then, I mean, look at, look at that. I mean, she's just not many people find their true calling in life. I feel like, but Taylor has like just with the the amazing like lyricism that she has writer yeah that she is yeah does anybody else have any other thoughts about where we were in our lives when this album came out we've kind of again gone over a lot of like our personal feelings towards this album based off of the release of the re-recording and our special episode about that so I was just gonna say that like I love that like this is like really the first album I can feel like the first album I feel like approaches and tackles the topic of a teenager's like life in America going to high school without it being condescending or cheesy like it's so mature like the way that she tackles it and Mm -hmm. tackles all of these issues in this album which is just absolutely amazing and again it just goes right back to the original point that you were saying Chandler Speaking of and validity. I feel like in debut, like, we were only getting, like, a taste of that for some songs. I'm not saying that, like, yes. those songs aren't absolutely bangers because they are. But, I, I mean, like, we were not getting full-on Taylor until this album. This is when her storytelling is amazing. And when we cover each of these songs, we're gonna, I know we're all gonna have a lot to say. Yeah, she really, like, came into her own. She did. Yeah. Absolutely. She- this album yeah well when i was doing research and um i'm sure lizzie has this but she wrote a lot of these songs by herself because she was touring and i think i have a quote from her about this but yeah like i mean she obviously wrote a lot of the songs on debut by herself but she that was also when she was still in high school she was like going to her after school job writing songs with liz rose so she she had other people to lean on and to support her and then when she was writing this album she was like she was touring with like George Strait and like I think Kenny Chesney Brad Paisley that's what I mean yeah yeah some of her songs off debut was like she wrote when she was like 14 that like made it onto like the album and your emotional maturity like level doesn't matter who you are changes so much between the time that you are 14 and the time that this album came out when she was 19 so it's like I mean, yeah, she just really came into her own with this, like what Lizzie was saying, like the storytelling, the songwriting just got exponentially better. And then she just keeps getting better. Like it's what we got off Folklore and Evermore. Oh my gosh. So good. Basically full on novels. Like, obviously. (laughs) Okay, so a little background on the album Fearless. And just to specify, this is the 2008 Fearless, not Fearless Taylor's version. But this was her second studio album. Like we mentioned, it was released November 11th, 2008. And as with her first album, she wrote or co-wrote all 13 tracks on Fearless. And like Chandler mentioned, most of the songs were written when she was touring for debut. A lot of the songs were co-written with Liz Rose, Hilary Lindsay, Colby Calais, and John Rich. The producer was Nathan Chapman. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of the gist of the background for the album. Bailey will get into the numerous critical acclamations, but yeah. Yeah, um, I have a ton of quotes because 
back in the day, this was when Taylor was really, you know, trying to get her name out there. Like she doesn't really have to promote things anymore. It just like happens naturally because of who she has become as an artist. Yeah. So in an interview with CMT, she's talking about like how writing Taylor Swift, her debut album kind of led into writing the Fearless album. She said, I've been very selfish about my songs. I had this dream project talking about Taylor Swift coming out for so many years now that I just stockpiled. I'm so happy that I did because now we have a second album full of songs and a third album full of songs and I don't have to lift a finger. So basically like just saying that she had a lot of some of the songs that are on this album, she, or at least she considered for this album. Cause you know, some of the songs she considered were like I'd lie and permanent marker and a few other unreleased songs, but it, I mean, and even like sparks fly, which came out in on the speak now album, they were all written around the same time that she was writing her debut album. And so she was able to use some of those songs and put them on this album or like maybe write, edit them a little bit, update them a little bit for where she was in her life at, you know, age 17 touring compared to age 15, writing them in her math classes. She also said the same thing that I was kind of talking about. She said, I've written a lot of songs by myself lately, especially since I've been alone so much on the road. I do love writing on the road. I usually write at the concert venue. I'll find a quiet place in some room at the venue, like the locker room. So like not really a super important but just like where she was and how she was writing these songs. And she told that to, it was, it was an article on a website called songwriteruniverse.com, but it was from something else. I can't remember what it was. I forgot to write it down. She also said, as I was saying that she wrote a lot of these songs by herself. She said, I've written like eight songs for the second album by myself. If you're in Arkansas, who's there to write with? So like basically speaking about, and then like, the article that this is from went on to talk about how she like co-wrote a lot of the songs with Liz Rose. So she also said, I really try to write more about what I feel and guys and love because that's what fascinates me more than anything else. Love and what it does to us and how we treat people and how they treat us. So pretty much every song on the album has a face that I associate with it. And that was just kind of like, Basically, people asked her why she was like not like what she was writing about. And she was like, you know, I'm not really writing about being on the road, like who can really relate to that. So she wrote about something that she thought people could relate to, which is love. Another thing that she said about Fearless was it's the same kind of album I made in 2006, just two years older. Sound wise, it's the kind of songs I like to write, which are country songs. But I guess because of the subject matter and because of some of the melodies I love to use, I guess they have crossover appeal. So kind of talking about how this was really the album where she got, she became like a crossover pop hit. She also said, I really thought about what that word fearless means to me. And I guess to me, fearless doesn't mean you're completely unafraid and it doesn't mean that you're bulletproof. It means that you have a lot of fears, but you jump anyway. Like I said, there's tons of quotes and <laughs> I've got three more. So bear with me. She also said on this album, I had the opportunity to be more general and it might have done me some good to be general, kind of addressing the fact that she was like name dropping Drew and like, you know, talking very in very specific things on her first album about who the songs were about. This was everything she said in 2008 when the album was coming out or when the album had just come out. And I have two quotes about Fearless 
from when the re-recordings were released. So she said that Fearless was an album full of magic and curiosity, the bliss and devastation of youth. It was the diary of the adventures and explorations of a teenage girl who was learning tiny lessons with every new crack in the facade of the fairy tale ending she'd been shown in the movies. Which, holy fuck, like, what does that even mean? <laughs> you know? Um, and then just talking about the production of the re-recording, she said, in terms of production, I really wanted to stay very loyal to the initial melodies that I had thought of for these songs. And so we really did go in and try to create a the same but better version. We kept all the same parts that I initially dreamed up for these songs, but if there was any way that we could improve upon the sonic quality, we did. I did go in line by line and listen to every single vocal and think, you know, what are my inflections here? If I can improve upon it, I did. But I really did want this to be very true to what I initially thought of and what I had initially written, but better, obviously. And that's everything. That's all the quotes I have about the album. Like I said, there were a ton because she was super open and she did a lot of interviews and press tours and t just talking to people and fans when this album came out. Okay, that's all the quotes. Any thoughts on the quotes? <laughs> I know there were a lot. I mean, I just think that, like, I, I think it's interesting, the Taylor Fearless 2021 version, her Taylor's version, and then you know, when Fearless first came out in 2008, what she had to say about them, because now Taylor's looking back on that time in her life, and she's thinking, like, wow, you know, she was so young, writing about all these adventures, all of these things that, you know, she went through with love, with friendships, with whatever, and now, you know, she's in such a different place, and it's just kind of like us, and we talked about this in, you know, our special episode, but, like, I think that's really cool. Just, you know, it, it young Taylor and old Taylor are meeting fearless <laughs> in a way. The more re-recordings we get, the more we'll get this. We'll get, you know, how I, I think about it, like, in Reputation or um, look, what me, look What You Made Me Do music video and how they got all the Taylors. I think about it in a weird way, like when she's re-recording, it's like Taylor now, like meeting like that Taylor that like, you know, Fearless, I always think of, okay, you belong with me, marching band, or I think of like, you know, her glittery guitar and her like yeah. iconic like flip of hair and like, Bailey and I used to do like the Taylor Swift hair, like we would like practice it like all the time, we'd jam out to this album and like, those are just those signature things that were developed at this stage, like uh, that you could identify Taylor with, like her glittery guitar, her the hand hearts, the hand heart, the 13 on her hand, like all of those things, you know, just, uh, this album, I'm so excited to like dive into it. And I, I yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. I mean, Bailey, I have a lot more to say, but <laughs> obviously, <laughs> Um, Bailey, do you want to talk about the critical acclamations of the album as a whole? Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna, I have it separated, like, Fearless and then Fearless Taylor's version, because they're, like, two different yeah. things. Um, <laughs> okay, so Fearless, the original album that was released in 2008, um, there were five songs as the lead singles, Love Story, You Belong With Me, White Horse, 15, and the song Fearless. 
In the U.S., Fearless as an album spent 11 weeks on the Billboard 200 and was the best-selling album of 2009. The album was certified diamond by the RIAA. <laughs> it sold 12 million copies worldwide, and it's still one of the best-selling sell albums of the 21st century. It was the most awarded album in the history of country music. It won Album of the Year, and she was the youngest artist to win the award at the age of 20. And she, she won held that record until, like, 20, 2020, right? When Billie so. Eilish? Yeah. And she won Album of the Year at the Grammys, at the Country Music Association Awards, and the Academy of Country Music Awards. As a whole, the album had 11 award nominations, and it won nine of them. There's just, like, so there's, that's, like, a lot. And to think that she wasn't even 21, like, she couldn't even drink yet. And she was winning all of these awards, you know what Here I mean? Here I am, like, still without my license, and was, <laughs> like, 19 and freaking winning a ton of awards and, like, album of the year. Like, what the hell? What? I feel very unaccomplished right now, listening yeah. to all that. <laughs> it was just, like, there was yeah. so much. And I, like... Some of it, I was like, oh, my God, like, all of the awards, like, I knew it was, I knew it was a lot, but it, like. Still shocking. (laughs) I'm not shocking, but, like, it's still, like, oh, my God, like, she was so young. And And this was her sophomore album, too. That's. Yeah. Ugh. Amazing. Amazing. It's, and it's still one of the best-selling albums of the 21st century. Like. Isn't it still the most awarded country album of all time? I think so. Yeah, that's what it says. Most awarded album in history of country music. Yeah. And that's insane because, like, if you think about it, like, this was, like, because she was also nominated for favorite pop rock album. So, like, this was really a, this was a a pivotal album for her because she was starting to kind of turn the page a little bit. Like, it was still very country she was still, you know, very in touch with her country roots here, but she was also trying to turn the page and, you know, get into get into another genre. And it was so successful. And this was only her second album. I have to say too, like I we talked about Taylor Swift's like live performances, but I went to Fearless and I remember the performance being very theatrical and we talked about how a lot of pop artists did that for their concerts and so she kind of took that like trope I guess that a very like she would set the scene for you it wouldn't just be like you know her with her guitar although she could totally do that too and it would be amazing but like it she would create this entire theater pretty much yeah and I have to say like seeing Taylor live like it was like the first time I ever saw somebody live and cried as soon as it's she went on because I because you cannot physically believe that you are like standing in a room filled with all of these other fans and you're like this you're listening to this person the person's in the same room as you that you have been like in your bedroom sometimes crying listening to her songs to feel better or you know like it and it it's it's just magical and this was that album for me this was the first time that I heard her live and like I got that experience luckily and like it blew me away like just her presence and her like theatrics I always thought that she was like 
she puts on a really good show. Yeah, she like, does. Yeah. And, and maybe I'm a little bit biased, but, like, I've been to a lot of con- concerts, yeah. and every single one of hers I've been to is by far the best one. Well, yeah. my, my mom, who is definitely not really a Taylor Swift fan, she even admitted to me when she, like, because, you know, she went to the concert with me, and it was a really great mother-daughter experience, even though she wasn't a fan. And I, like, jumped up and down and was singing to all the songs and she just like sat there and was just like yeah woo but (laughs) she said to me at the end she was like okay I I gotta give props to her she really put on a great show like what an experience so if a a non-Taylor Swift fan can say that then that really speaks volumes because yeah yeah it's just like out of this world and I'm sorry we're going off topic, but I just wanted to talk about like fearless performance too. Like all of her live performances I saw on TV too. Um, would always blow me away. Like but that's and- like a really good point though, because like I found the fearless tour grossed over $65 million. It's one of like, her this most was successful her second tour, like $65 million. No, this was her first headlining tour. Yes. Yeah. She, her, the other tour, when she was touring for debut, she was opening, she was opening for people. And this was her first headlining tour. So that is massive. Massive. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to put this in every single, like, when we get to a new, like, album, when we get to a new era, I'm going to put what the tour grossed and see which one's the highest. Because that's really interesting. Like, it is. Especially in the in the time that it came out, because social media was not what it is today. Like, yeah. that was back in the day of Facebook, where, like, if you wanted to, like, post a link to one of her YouTube videos, it would not even link, I don't think, to a YouTube video. I mean, it's just th- how we can share and process information on social media now is exponentially faster than it was in 2000 and you know, nine and 10 when this was blowing up. I mean, it first came out in late 2009. So I'm just going to say 2010 for the sake of when it was like, when it came out. Oh, I'm sorry. 2008, 2009 is for the sake of like when it was super popular and blowing up everywhere. It was not what it is now. Like, I mean, how easy is it for a song to blow up on TikTok and TikTok like cycles through songs so quickly, Mm -hmm. but like, it's just so easy now to like go viral in a way. And it was not the same way yeah. back then. And it still had that much success. Yeah. I mean, she broke records. Like you mentioned, Billy. Like she, yeah. and like, at literally. such a young age. And they're still unbroken. Like this is still the most awarded album in country music history. Like it, it's been 13 years. I mean, it's like Taylor said in the part of, you know, the illegal phone call that Kanye recorded of her. She'd sold seven million of this album before he even jumped on the stage and interrupted her. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no way that Kanye made her famous. No, just because you didn't know who she was doesn't mean she wasn't famous. Like, I didn't know who Kanye West was. I thought the irony of that. Kanye West. I don't want to go into that, though, because I'll get just mad. But I'll yeah. never forget watching that live, though. Or, like, I, I, <laughs> this really shows, like, 2009 era because it was <laughs> recorded on my TiVo. <laughs> um, TiVo even a thing anymore? I don't know. No. <laughs> I, don't know. 
I, I miss the like boop boop sound, you know? Yeah. A little TV with a face, too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, but I re- remember watching it and just being like, I, I thought it was ironic because, you know, how Beyonce actually wins like the biggest award. And... Yeah. Well, yeah, so that's the, the thing. She was up to, like... against Beyonce and she won against Beyonce. And yet, but he, that like, was because st- it was a fan. People were like, how could Beyonce win the overall award but not win the female award? That's because the best female music video award was a fan voted award. And the best music video award of all of them was a like a critic voted award like yeah so they're not even in the same category they're completely separate like deals going on here like taylor swift's fans voted for her to win this award that's why she won it because enough people liked the music video and voted for her clearly there's a lot of people buying her albums so they know who she is Uh, I mean, 12 yeah, million I copies think, worldwide. I think it's important too. like this era is so significant because it also is the beginning of a lot of negative things for Taylor. Like it's, yeah. she being in the spotlight comes with a lot of like, comes with greatness, but it also comes with some negativity, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And Taylor was full on in the spotlight for fearless. Mm hmm. Yeah, this was the first time she was basically, like, I mean, I like to think of it in Jonas Brothers terms. When when Joe Jonas wrote Much Better, he didn't say, and now I'm done with country stars in the lyrics. He said, and now I'm done with superstars. Because that's what Taylor Swift was at that time. Also, she she has a song called Superstar. So Superstar was about Joe? No. Superstar. It's about um I can't remember who it's about. It was one of the people she opened for. Okay. When she was, I was like for Lochner. No. No. They didn't even know each other then. Oh. No, Superstar she wrote while she was touring with God, I can't remember who it is. That I'll know who it is by the time we get there. But Or is that a different one? What? The Owl City guy? No, that's oh. Enchanted. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, it was some country artist. Okay. Yeah, We're but I did always topic. think that Superstar was about Joe Jonas until I, like, actually looked into it. But I also thought that every love song was about Joe Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can relate, girl. Like, saves. <laughs> But no, like, um, God, now it's going to bother me. I have to look it up. I have to look it up. It's Joe Nichols. That's who Superstar is about? Supposedly. Who is Joe Nichols? He's a country musician from Arkansas, and they both performed at a country music festival together, Country Jam, in 2008. And the original demo version of the song, the lyrics... Um, I'm invisible and everyone knows who you are. We're not there. It was instead, I know that you were born in Arkansas, where Joe Nichols was born. Oh. Hmm. I thought it was someone who was a little bit more well known. Jake I've never Owen? Of... Yeah, I thought it would that's who I thought it was, Jake Owen. So that's what I wonder why she changed it. I think going back to the what we had talked about the quotes earlier and her wanting to be more generalized versus right, like her debut. So much, yeah, that makes sense. 
yeah, being like too upfront about it, which, you know, her platinum edition of Fearless is amazing. I mean, so like all of her like bonus tracks are, but like really the Fearless bonus tracks from the platinum album were so good. It makes me so sad that they weren't on the original album and they didn't get as much attention, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Because, like Chandler said, not a lot of people knew about the Platinum Edition. And even then, like, even now, like, when we got Taylor uh, Taylor's version of it. Yeah, I mean, I remember I was obsessed with Superstar. I was obsessed with Jump and Fall. I was obsessed with Untouchable. I was obsessed with all the Platinum, like, songs. Platinum Edition songs, like. The Other Side of the Door? The only one. Yeah, The Other Side of the Door. Man. And like now the only one that I that doesn't really resonate with me anymore is Come In With The Rain. But when that song first came out, I thought it was genius. I thought it was so smart. (laughs) I remember writing lyrics to writing those lyrics in my study hall about that song for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because we used to have notes back and forth. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if I were to go to the storage unit that's got everything from like my childhood bedroom in it, um, I would be able to find notebooks full of those like notes that we pass back and forth. Okay, next time I go to my parents' house, I need to pull out the old notebook that we wrote our song lyrics in, and I need to record a live like reading of it for our TikTok. <laughs> no, <laughs> so Wait, embarrassing. That would be such a cute like, but that would be a cute like video idea, like because I have some of the things that Bailey did for me. And that would be really the lyri- like we could just like I don't know hilarious right you know the, okay you know, but the most embarrassing part though Rebecca is that notebook that you have that was from college that was from the like that was like from our fall break of college right before red was coming out because it's in a red notebook yeah. is it not yeah but I swear we wrote those in high school no, we wrote it because 104.7 was having a contest. Oh, you wrote Jesus. a song and you got to meet Taylor. And we were like, let's write this song, bitch. Like, And then, like, literally, the only thing that stopped us is that we couldn't play instruments or sing. <laughs> you had to write and record the song and, like, well, like turn it I in. I could sing, but I couldn't. The, the piano. Well, I couldn't yeah. sing. You could so sing. I could sing okay. I was not as good as Rebecca for the sake of time. Bailey, do you want to finish up with your critical acclamations on Fearless Taylor's version? Yeah. Okay, so Fearless Taylor's version includes 19 tracks. That includes songs from The Vault that were either supposed to be on the original album but didn't make the cut or that she just wrote during that area and then, like, they never made it on an album. There were three singles, Love Story, You All Over Me, from The Vault, and Mr. Perfectly Fine, from The Vault. All of these entered the top ten of Billboard Hot Country songs. Love Story topped the chart, You All Over Me came in at number six, and Mr. Perfectly Fine at number two. The album was critically acclaimed, again. And a lot of the critiques, I guess, that people were saying were, like, the the nostalgic sentiment that Chandler mentioned in that quote from Taylor and then they mentioned Swift's matured vocals and then just the overall production of the album, which is, you know, kind kind Chandler kind of touched on that in the Taylor quote. Fearless, Taylor's version reached number one in seven countries, and it was the first ever re-recorded album ever to top the Billboard 200. 
So, like, even 13 years later, it still had the same kind of effect. And, like, yeah. we all know that, like, you know, it, it can't win, con- you know, album of the year again or anything like that. But I don't even, I, I don't even think it needs to. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, saw like, something in the background, like, when I was researching, that the point of the re-recordings, like, I think what Taylor's point was, like, to try to top, like, almost her original album, Success. And in many ways, I feel like she did. I mean, if I isn't that what you got, Billy? I feel like I saw that. She yeah. did, in fact, no, like... I agree, but, like, okay, but... So here's the thing, like, she released five singles on the original album, but not all of them top the chart. But the three singles she released from Fearless Taylor's version did, and two of them were vault songs. Two of them were songs we had never even heard before. Yeah. So it's, like, these brand-new songs that she wrote 13 years ago, but we're just hearing them for the first time and they still top the chart. Yeah, in some ways, I think she definitely did, like, make the album better. She, you know, she made the original album less relevant. And I think that that's, like, the other than, like, her owning her masters again, the other point was so that, like, her fans and people who listen to her music listen to the version that she owns and not the version that Scooter Braun owns. So... Just the fact that it did do so well when, you know, people were saying it was going to do terribly, which, why would you do that? Everybody also said that about, like, the Reputation Tour, and then it was, like, the highest grossing tour. uh, I'm pretty sure it was the highest grossing U.S. tour of all time. So, people need to stop saying that stuff Taylor does is not going to do well, because that's never the case, you know? And, but besides the point is, like, I don't necessarily, I I do think that it did top the original album in some ways, but I don't even, I don't really think that was the point. I think that was just like the icing on the cake. And then the only other thing is, Bailey, you said there were 19 songs. There's actually 27, but the the 19, the first 19 songs are the ones that were all on the original release and like the original platinum version. (laughs) Are you taking a picture of all this? I was. I noticed your camera. I was like, what are you recording? It's like, and I, she's not going to tell not, us why. I do not. Nope. So <laughs> Taylor, you're so cute in this photo. Uh, anyway, how did we even start talking about I this? Don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I got here. We're really bad at being brief. Brevity yes. is not our skill. So, yeah. We're, we're getting into Fearless. Fearless, Taylor's version, Bailey. The critical acclamation. I did that. No, I know. I'm asking yeah, she's asking if, if that's everything. everything. Oh, yeah. That was everything. Okay. Cool. So, since we were introducing this episode, I guess we're going to do, like, a part two to actually get started on the first song on the album, Fearless. Titled Fearless. So, stay tuned. Yay. Bailey, do you want to, like, take us out of here? Yeah, we briefly discussed some heavy topics in the beginning of this episode. If you or someone you know is being bullied or is experiencing any of the things we discussed in this episode, we encourage you to confide in someone you trust or find your safe space. Or reach out. You can send us an email, too. Thank you for listening to Ready For It, a Taylor Swift podcast. Look out for our next episode where we begin our exploration of Taylor Swift's second studio album with Fearless, the song. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok to get updates on next episodes. Handles for our social media accounts can be found in the description. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks. See ya. Bye. Bye.